I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Unfollowing Mum. Today it is just me and I wanted to chat about something that had hit the news recently and then go on to something that had been sent to me that I think is really poignant and worthwhile sharing with all of you because I think it will strike a chord. You might have seen it across my social medias over the weekend because I've shared it there on both the Unfollowing Mum pages on TikTok and Instagram and my Toby and Rue pages on TikTok and Instagram. But I think it's worth sharing. Firstly though, let's jump into talking about the Jonah Hill boundary saga that has been all over the internet at the beginning of this week. Now, in case you've been living under a rock or perhaps you just don't care, which I can completely get on board with, Over the weekend, Jonah Hill's ex-girlfriend, Sarah Brady, I think her surname is, who is a professional surfer, and that's key to this, had released some text messages of him using the term boundaries in order to try and manipulate and control her. And you might be thinking, Harriet, what relevance could this possibly have to a podcast about toxic parents, navigating estrangement, and growing up with a traumatic childhood? Well, that's what I'm going to tell you right now. Let's just have a little bit of backstory. So Brady had been posting pictures of herself on Instagram in bikinis because, you know, professional surfer. She'd been working with men because, again, professional surfer. And What had happened was Jonah Hill had sent her messages saying, if you need surfing with men, which obviously she does because, you know, professional surfer, um, boundaryless, inappropriate friendships with men, which I can get on board with being uh, upset around that, but there's a way to phrase this, to model, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post sexual pictures, which again, open to interpretation, friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past, beyond getting lunch or coffee or something respectful, I am not the right person for you. Now, the reason I'm talking about this now is twofold, really. Firstly, Jonah Hill presents an exceptionally good example of a person using boundaries or terminology that they have learned, my mum did it with gaslighting, as a weapon and to weaponize and control 
What he's setting there is is not a boundary. He went on to say, if these things bring you a place of happiness, I support it and there will be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for romantic partnership. And on the surface of it, that kind of sounds like he's just saying, look, this is what I need in a relationship. But if you can't do that, cool, fine, let's just part ways. But that's not what he's saying at all. And that's where it becomes twofold because what I've seen over the weekend is a lot of talk about therapy speak and this is something I get thrown at me frequently across social media by toxic parents who are enraged that I talk about estrangement and who are livid that their own children will no longer have contact with them because of their behavior I had to block somebody at the weekend because she was shouting and screaming about you are using therapy speak to get to me she was being narcissistic She referred to herself as someone who had to stand up for others because they deserved someone to rescue them from this awful no-contact trend. They were more or less her exact words. And I pointed out that that is an illusion of grandeur, which it is. And immediately she jumped to, you're using therapy speak against me. And these are two things that are super common when you have a toxic parent. They will either pick up on particular terms like boundaries, like gaslighting, like toxic behaviour and start using them as a weapon against you. I'm sure there will be so many of you have been in that situation, and we will talk about that in a second. Or on the flip side, they will argue that you are using therapy speak to try and control and hurt them. Well, let's have a look at why what Jonah Hill was saying was not setting boundaries. For a start, he was trying to use boundaries, and I'm I'm using little air quotation marks here as I'm talking. He was trying to use boundaries to control her behaviour. And the thing is, boundaries are never about what other people are doing. They are about what we are doing and how we feel in those situations. They're a way of communicating what we will and won't tolerate. And it might sound like that's exactly what he was doing when he was saying, look, if you want those things, then that's fine, but you won't be in a relationship with me. But it's the way in which it was done. For a start, he was well aware that she was a professional surfer before he met her. He was well aware that she posted these things on Instagram because he'd been double tapping them way before they'd got together and she confirmed all of this. So these were not new behaviours that he was suddenly absolutely shocked by and suddenly, oh my goodness, she is now a professional surfer and I'm finding that difficult. And if that were the case, then there are ways in which you can communicate that. But you've got to have some self-responsibility. And that's another part of boundaries, having a boundary with yourself to have that self-responsibility. Boundaries aren't complicated. They are about what you will and will not accept as behaviour towards yourself. So instead of trying to manipulate her behaviour, he could have opened a conversation and said, hey, babe, this makes me really insecure because that's what it is. When I see you posting pictures online, I need to work on myself a bit with that, but can you be patient with me in the time being? Can you be mindful of how I'm feeling and can we have a conversation around it so I can get some reassurance? It's all in the communication, but that's not what he did. He said, if you need that, if you need relationships with women that I've not pre-approved, essentially, then we're a done deal. But again, with a boundary... It's about following through and they weren't a done deal because he wasn't interested in being a done deal. He just wanted to control her behavior. His insecurities are his shit to deal with, not hers. And it's the same in the reverse situation. 
he would also have been okay to say, you know what, I can't cope with seeing you posting pictures and working with men. That's triggering my insecurity and I really need to work on myself at this time. So I'm going to step out of the relationship for me. Not you need to stop doing that so that I can have this relationship still. That's not going to work. It's okay to be triggered as well by things that others don't understand. And yeah, that includes jealousy as a man and it includes being insecure and having that toxic masculinity that you have to work on for yourself. But you then have to take the personal responsibility for that, exit the relationship and work on yourself. That is having the boundary. Ultimately, boundaries are supposed to be about protecting yourself and maintaining peace and joy within your life. Communication is incredibly important. And yes, you could argue that he was trying to communicate these things, but he was doing it in a way that was manipulative and gaslighting her under the guise of boundaries. And that's a big no-no. And what that means for people like myself who talk a lot about boundaries and for people who try to instill boundaries within their family unit is that it creates an outlet for people to say you're just using therapy speak you're just pretending to have boundaries but really you're trying to manipulate me and control me and absolutely no you're not you know your boundary is a boundary when it's about you what you find acceptable and you then take control of that if he found those things unacceptable in a relationship it was his responsibility to say I can't cope with these things I'm going to step away and work on myself not, I can't cope with these things, you need to change them for me. And again, we're talking romantic relationships, so I fully appreciate that they can be a lot more complicated. If there has been an infidelity or something along those lines, then yes, these things become slightly altered and we have to work together as partners to heal from that. But when it relates to, for example, a parent-child relationship, we see a lot of people use terms like boundaries, like gaslighting, like stonewalling, whatever these might be, terms that they've picked up, not fully understood, and weaponizing them. And I've seen a lot of therapists over the weekend talking about Jonah Hill's weaponization of therapy speak. And I think this is where it really relates to what this podcast is about. I remember before I'd cut contact with my mum, on one occasion, I'd said to her, have you got your tablet? because she was taking pain medication uh, shortly after she'd had her hip she had really bad arthritis and I'd said have you, have you got your tablets no I asked you to collect them and I'd said to her you you didn't ask me to collect them mum you might think you did but you definitely didn't and she'd spun round to me in front of my husband in front of a couple of the kids and said you are gaslighting me you are lying I did ask you I remember it and I said to her mum you you didn't I promise you you didn't and this again was before I'd stopped trying to please her I'd set my own boundaries in place and would say don't speak to me like that I'm not tolerating that but she was so angry and using terms like gaslighting and of course what then happened was I went away thinking am I gaslighting her am I did she ask me and I've got it wrong am I the bad guy and that's what makes using terminology like boundaries gaslighting even manipulation, even toxic in such a manipulative and insidious way so difficult because the person then sits with it and goes, am I? Am I the bad guy? And it feeds into this narrative that we've been conditioned to believe since we were born that we are the ones at fault and we're not. And we had quite a few incidents like that where my mum would say, you're gaslighting me. And she'd actually learned the term on CNN, which she used to watch avidly for some unknown reason 
and just ran with it. And any time I would say anything that was contradictory, perhaps I would say to her that she hadn't told me to go and pick up her stuff because she hadn't. She was also perfectly capable of going and picking up her own stuff. Or I would say to her she hadn't told me that she was going to use my bank card to buy herself something. Or I would say to her, perhaps I've told you that I'm going on holiday. And she would say, no, you haven't. And I would reply, yes, I have. And she would say, you're gaslighting me. No, you haven't. And it all stemmed around this, my way is the highway. I am correct and you are wrong. And anytime you challenge that, you must be gaslighting me or you're trying to manipulate me. And it's really difficult to navigate. I actually had a great comment about boundaries on my TikTok. Um, It was a silly video of me talking about how toxic parents, when their behaviour is challenged, will say, well, excuse me for having flaws. It was a Homer Simpson skit. And this lady had commented, my mum set a boundary with me that I can't call her out when she crosses my boundary that she absolutely refuses to even try and respect. So essentially, the parent had turned around and said, you can't challenge me because that's crossing my boundaries when I upset you. And I had so many comments that were similar of people saying, you can't do this. You can't tell me when I've upset you. One person had said, it hurts me when you tell me that you're going to put your husband first. That crosses my boundary. You should put me first. Someone else had said, I hurt my mum's feelings when I've told her that I won't let her hurt mine anymore. (laughs) And I'm laughing. But actually, when you're in the thick of it, it's not funny at all. And it's never funny, to be honest, when you look back at it and you think, good God, how did we get to this position? And am I the one that's the bad guy? I thought it might be useful to share a couple of tips on how to set boundaries with a toxic parent. And again, this is going to be subjective. It's not something that is going to work in every situation. And the ultimate boundary is going no contact. It is stepping away from the relationship and saying, I'm no longer going to be in your life if you can't stop treating me this way. That is a boundary in and of itself as is maintaining a low contact relationship. When I work with clients, I get a lot of them say, I need to set boundaries, I don't know how to do it, but they've actually been setting boundaries without even realising it already. Small things like saying, actually, no, mum, you're not going to be able to just come over anymore because we've got the baby. I'm going to have to get you to ring me first to make sure that we're in. It's not baby's nap time, whatever that might be. That is a boundary. Or it might be, actually, I'm not able to go and do your weekly shop anymore because I have to take my child or I have this with work or whatever that might be. Again, that is a boundary. We so often miss out on the small boundaries that we're setting because we're focused on the bigger picture and we're so constantly aware of a toxic parent who is butting against this boundary endlessly, testing the limit constantly that we don't realise that we're actually already doing the thing that we really want to do. We've just got to start to acknowledge it within ourselves better. Okay, first thing with a boundary is to actually acknowledge what you are seeing, what's happening, what's going on, and how that is impacting you. Might be that you are at the dinner table and it's little comments about your weight, little comments about how much food you're putting on the plate, that kind of thing. Could be that they're always very negative about the things that you're doing at work or they're perhaps just totally disinterested in what you're trying to express. Maybe you've got a great promotion and it's, oh, right, lovely. And then move on to sibling or what Joan has been doing at the club. 
it doesn't really matter what it is, but it's a complete dismissal of your achievements. Any of these things are things that you need to be aware of and to pick up on. And that's always the first step with setting a boundary, which sounds really obvious. But quite often we are so unaware of how these behaviours impact us and how these things are done that we completely let them slide. Then addressing the behaviour as it comes is the next step. So take, for example, being sat at that dinner table and it's constant comments about what you're eating, your weight or someone else's weight. And you have a couple of ways in which you can address the behaviour. You can either do it in a very direct way that simply says, let's not comment on my weight, please, or anything to that effect. I don't want comments about what I'm eating or... I'm not prepared to listen to you comment about that. However you choose to do that, a direct approach of that's not acceptable around me. Something that people quite often find more comfortable is a question. You would respond with, what do you mean when you say that, mum? And one thing that we know about toxic parents is that they might not be particularly self-aware when it comes to addressing their own traumas, their own triggers, their own behaviours, but they're certainly self-aware enough to know when it is and isn't appropriate and how it reflects upon them if they behave this way in certain social settings. So dependent on where you are, you can very quickly nip that kind of thing in the bud with a question like, what do you mean by that? Or, oh, what makes you say that? without it being direct and perhaps confrontational. Whichever route you choose to go down there, the next step is to share how that behaviour makes you feel. And again, using the example of being sat at the dinner table, putting plate, putting food onto your plate and having those remarks made, it's actually quite a vulnerable position to sit in to say, this makes me feel X, Y, Z, especially if you feel that you are opening yourself up to being mocked, to more harsh comments or to the ever popular, well, I just care about you, darling, and I just want your health. And of course, they then feel like screaming, but you're fucking up my mental health. And that it just spirals. So let's say you've gone for the direct approach and you've said, actually, mum, please, can we not comment about weight or can we not comment about what I'm eating or, oh, let's not talk about other people's weight at the dinner table. You would then say something like, it makes me feel really insecure. It makes me feel really uncomfortable. It makes me quite upset and I don't like it. Or perhaps you've gone with the less direct approach and you've said, well, what do you mean by that? When she said, oh, they're putting a lot of food on your plate there. And perhaps the response has not been the nip in the bud that you were hoping for. And another cutting remark has come back, something along the lines of, well, you know, I'm just, you look like you're putting a lot of weight on. And Angela's daughter's been trying this new, whatever that might be. You could then revert back to the original, well, I don't think that's a terribly appropriate thing to say at the dinner table in front of everybody, mum, and that's quite hurtful to me, sharing how you feel. And then once we've addressed it and we've shared how it makes us feel, we've nipped that behaviour, seen it for what it is and said this is how this makes us feel, we'd look to the future, move forwards and sticking with the same example, you'd say something like, in future, let me just eat in peace. I appreciate that those of you who have had this experience with a toxic parent are listening to this thinking, oh my God, the explosion that would come or the drama that would come surrounding trying to set that kind of thing. Listen, I hear you because I have been in exactly the same situation, not necessarily over something surrounding my weight, but asking my mum not to make racist remarks at the dinner table, homophobic remarks at the dinner table, any of these things. I've been there, I've set that boundary and I've dealt with the fallout. So I understand that completely. At that point, that is when you need to state what you will do or what will happen if that behaviour continues. 
So for example, I will not eat with you if you continue to do that. And the parent who is in question, the person who is in question can scream and cry and kick and stomp as much as they like. You have set that boundary for you and you can reiterate that to them. I am not being unkind to you. I am not creating drama for drama's sake. I am simply saying that the way you are behaving there upsets me and I will not tolerate it. And moving forwards, I've asked you not to do it. So let's just get on with our dinner and not do it. And yes, if you are dealing with a toxic parent, there is a high likelihood that you are going to find yourself in a position where they are stropping around the house, sobbing, oh, it's so unfair that you treat me this way, or perhaps just downright nasty, at which point you have the right to remove yourself from that situation and follow through with the boundary that you've set in place. And no, you're not just causing a scene. No, you are not just being dramatic. If you have someone who is consistently hurting you with their behaviour, you have every right to turn around to them and use your voice. Aggressors, toxic parents, they look for easy targets. And that's what we are as children. But you're now an adult and you have the opportunity to say, no, no more. So learning how to navigate boundaries and giving yourself permission to use your voice in those situations is so, so important. And I'm sure there are a million examples of how boundaries could come into play. I've used a very simple one there that I know is incredibly common for people, especially women who have dealt with the toxic comments around weight, but it can apply to any situation and the pattern is the same. Identifying the behavior, acknowledging the behavior, challenging it when you see it, sharing how it makes you feel, what you would like to see moving forwards, And then, if necessary, stating what you will do if that is not the case. And then enforcing that boundary and saying, hey, look, I gave you the opportunity to behave differently towards me. You haven't. I'm going to remove myself from the situation. And here's something that not a lot of people tell you about boundaries that I think is really useful to know, especially if you are in that position where you still have contact, you are in that position where you are trying to navigate maintaining this relationship, but finding it really difficult. Setting boundaries is a bit like using a muscle, okay? The more you do it, the stronger that muscle gets, the easier it gets to use it. And in many ways, it improves your life and you feel stronger as a person. You feel more empowered. And this is what I tell clients when I work with them. You might feel absolutely terrified to have that conversation, to try and set that boundary. You might know how it's going to go and know that it's going to be an absolute nightmare. But when you do it anyway, there is something so empowering about standing up for yourself, about saying, no, I won't tolerate that, and then following through, because you really owe it to yourself to do that. Now, moving swiftly on from the boundary chat, this is going to be something a little bit different. I wanted to share something that was sent to me over the weekend. Um, It came from an anonymous source in a Facebook group specifically for estrangement, and I wanted to read it to you here because I think It is so powerful and it summarizes very clearly how it feels to have either a toxic relationship with your mum or to have no relationship with your mum through the decision that you've had to make. Right, I'm just going to go ahead and read it to you. It's a poem and then we will chat about it afterwards. So 
I don't have anyone to credit for this because it is an anonymous source. So if you are familiar with it, then please feel free to drop me an email or a DM letting me know who the composer is. Okay, here we go. I will try to do it justice. (laughs) I miss my mum today, but not really my mum, a mum. I miss her. Hello, how are you? Uh, How did the baby sleep? Uh, Do you need anything from the shop? I miss my mum today, but not really my mum not who she became but a mum I miss her let me take the baby while you catch up on some housework a come for tea uh I'll do the school pickup I miss my mum today but not really my mum the mum I miss doesn't exist anymore the mum I miss never really did I miss my mum today but not really my mum a mum Sorry. (laughs) You might just want to go ahead and hit pause here, or you might not, um, but deepest apologies if you are just about to hop into a meeting or you've got the kids playing around you and you listen to that and it hit you in the feels like it did for me. Because I think it's really poignant and explains very much the feeling of missing something that you perhaps never had or missing something that you thought you had, especially if you were enmeshed with a parent or you were the golden child in the scenario and you've since had your eyes opened. There's something really difficult about realising that all the things that you thought you had in the relationship or that you know the relationship should be are simply not there and not possible for the parent who should love you more than anyone else in the whole world. One of the things that I say to clients when they are navigating a fresh estrangement or perhaps really struggling coming to terms with the fact that they are estranged from their parent for their own well-being, through their own choice, because they didn't feel like they had any other option, is that it's okay to grieve what should have been. It's okay to grieve the relationship that you wished you had, the one that we're shown in the media, the one that we see splashed all over social media when it comes to Mother's Day and there are ads from every other influencer going, all taking their parents to these fabulous events. And that's amazing for them. No one can begrudge them that. No one should begrudge them that. But it's also okay for you to feel really sad that that's not been your experience. It's okay to grieve that that's not your experience and it's okay to grieve that you have had to make a choice that was difficult. And it's also okay to miss the good times. It's even if they're far and few between. Even if, like in my case, a lot of them were an illusion and weren't really good times at all. And it's absolutely okay to miss your mum. And it's absolutely okay to realise that it's not really your mum that you miss, but a mum, someone who loves you, someone who can reach out and look after you, someone who you can rely on. Because let's be honest, when we've grown up with that childhood trauma, we've grown up with that dysfunction, having someone to rely on is alien to us. We're taught from an early age that relying on someone else is a weakness and will only get us hurt. And that's so often reaffirmed to us in life, especially if you are someone who has grown up with toxic parents and then followed the patterns and found a partner who is looking for someone vulnerable, whether subconsciously or consciously. Because we know that we follow these patterns, we know that we look for things that remind us of home, even if home was really challenging and really difficult. And that's why so many people find themselves in relationships as adults where they suddenly recognise, oh my God, that person's like my father, mother, whatever that might be. 
and they're also toxic and they're also used to treating you badly and when you start to set boundaries within that relationship that becomes a problem so it's perfectly reasonable that you would wish that you had someone to rely on that you had someone to be a mum that fundamental figure that we're brought up believing in and hoping that we can one day have And I think the thing with grief is that we assume at some point it's going to just go away. And I don't think that grief ever really does just go away. I think that grief changes and evolves as we grow, as we make our peace with different things. But I've spoken to people on the podcast, through coaching, through social media, who have been estranged for 20, 30 years. And they've expressed that they still find certain things difficult. They still find certain things will trigger them and they have to sit with it, work through that feeling that experience and move forwards I think we often think of our healing and our grief and I know I've said this before on the podcast as linear but it's not at all it's like a really twisty up and down back and forth roller coaster and that's okay that's okay to feel that way and that's okay to be 10-15 years into estrangement and see a Mother's Day card in the shop and think why couldn't that be me because it sucks. It really does. It sucks that you have to make these decisions to protect yourself from the one person who should have been there to protect you. But there is a power in making those decisions. And there is a power in saying, actually, I've chosen to protect me. I can rely on me because I've set that boundary in place for me to protect me and I can now reparent myself which I appreciate is a bit of a cringy term sometimes especially when we're talking about the inner child the inner teen reparenting ourselves but they stand and they make sense you are now the parent of your inner child you are now the person who is there for you to rely on you've got this but it doesn't make it any less sucky and that's okay Right guys, I think I'm going to leave it there for today. I quite like doing these solo episodes as slightly shorter episodes, a bit more bite-sized. I know this one's been a little bit longer because I wanted to cover two different topics that I think will add some weight to the conversation around estrangement and boundary setting. But I quite like that the interviews that I do with people are slightly longer episodes and you know that if it's a solo episode it's going to be a little bit shorter and just me having a general chit-chat. Hopefully by this point, if you have been listening, you know where to find me. You can always email me at harriet at tobyandrue.com if you want to inquire about coming on the podcast, if you'd like to share your stories. You can do so anonymously or you can share your name. It's completely up to you. When I set up the podcast, having the lived experience stories as well as speaking to professionals was so important for me because there is a huge part of healing that can be done through community through hearing of other people who've been through similar experiences and knowing that you are not alone because I promise you you are not if you would like to come and find me on social media you can do so at Toby and Rue for my main pages on both Instagram and TikTok not forgetting threads now which you can also find me on you can also find me at my podcast pages which are at unfollowing mum on TikTok threads and Insta I share quite a lot of things over on Instagram and mostly podcast clips over on TikTok so you will find Instagram slightly more useful if you are looking for more information around all the 
the things that we talk about on this podcast. Finally, if you would like to book a coaching session with me or a free 15 minute pre empowerment coaching chat, then you can do so using the links in my bios on social media, or you can visit www.app.simplymeet.me forward slash Harriet Shearsmith, and that will allow you to book a session with me. I'll also pop those links into the description. Thanks very much for listening, guys. I've been Harriet Shearsmith, and together we are Unfollowing Mum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.